Let us begin in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and it is you that we seek. We seek to praise you. We seek to glorify you. Lord, may our worship in this place, the words we sing, the music that we sing, the words that we listen to, the words that come out of my mouth, may, be, may they be pleasing to you, God. And may you be glorified in them. I pray that you speak to us a clear word this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Uh, when I first arrived at South Run years ago in 2017, uh, I started asking the question, you know, what, what makes this church distinctive? What's unique about this church? And one of the answers I would get a lot is that it was a, it's a family church, and, and it is. It's uh, now in one of our five values. It, it's, it's a family church was uh, what I heard, and, and uh, people meant this, I think, in two different ways. Uh, one, there's uh, a lot of families uh, at the church, so there's lots of kids, lots of youth. Uh, indeed, a, a lot of our activities and events are uh, youth or children-centric, uh, but not all. Uh, in fact, we are trying to be the second sense, which is a, a corporate family. Like, there's a sense in which we are all in this together as one big family. And frankly, I love the idea of uh, church as family, and for two good reasons. One, uh, it's biblical. It's actually all over scripture. The, the, the analogy or the metaphor of family is just about uh, on every page of scripture. And, and I'll, I'll say, uh, I'll give you a few examples here. Um, so the brother-sister language gets used throughout the New Testament to refer to other Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, God as Father, our collective Father, this is used everywhere, right? Old Testament, New Testament. This begins uh, with, with God coming to Israel, the nation Israel, and saying, I want to be your Father. And then it, it proceeds throughout the Old Testament. And then we, the Gentiles, uh, are grafted into this family. We are adopted as children of God. But there's more. Romans 8, 14 to 17 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And there's that phrase again. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. God, we are God's children. And if we were to keep reading that verse, it, it, it goes on for a little while, and, and you get to eight, chapter, or chapter 8, verse 29, and it says this, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And now he's not talking about sons or daughters collectively, he's talking about Jesus in that moment. We are to be conformed to the image of the Son in order that he might, Jesus might, be the firstborn among many brothers. And that's us. You could add brothers and sisters in there, right? And in this way, the, the, the family language and the family metaphor gets used 
throughout. The second reason I like the metaphor of the family is that I actually think it's a pretty powerful metaphor. One, it's something we all experience. In some way or another, we all experience what it means to be part of a family. And so it's a metaphor that, has, that is rich with, with meaning and with implications. And in case we're not clear on what a, a metaphor is, uh, a metaphor means, right, it's, it's one thing, saying one thing, to describe this other thing. And scripture uh, uses metaphors all the time, uh, just in case you don't know. Uh, so for example, I've got one here. Uh, this is uh, from Psalms, and it says, the Lord's my rock, right, and my fortress. Now, now God isn't really a literal rock here, He's not a literal fortress. It goes on, uh, God is my deliverer. God is my rock in whom I take refuge. God is my shield and the horn of my salvation. God is my stronghold. Lots of metaphors in this passage. This was one verse, and it's filled with like five, six, seven different metaphors of who God is. And it's, it's the pointing to one thing to explain what this other thing is, Right? What does, who is God is the question. Well, God's like a rock. God's like a shield. God's like a fortress. Well, what is the church? The church is, the church is like a family, right? The church is like a family. And so what does it mean to be members of this family? What does that look like? Well, let me suggest three potential ways that I think the metaphor of a family can apply to our church specifically. One, to be a family implies a sense of home, a sense of belonging. To be part of a family assumes that there is a a home, and a home assumes that there is belonging. I got on Facebook the other day, yesterday, and a friend of mine, uh, his name is Johnny Walls, a uh, friend of mine from Kentucky, posted, he started posting pictures of his, uh, our hometown in Kentucky, Wilmore, Kentucky, this very small town, uh, and, uh, and he's very good at what he does. He, he, he's taking these beautiful photos, and one was a, a photo of his own childhood home, the, the home that he grew up in, and here it is. Uh, you can see he took it at uh, something like 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> and, uh, and he says, uh, the, the caption that he put on it was, um, I, I want to get it right. Uh, he says, yeah, my home, but not my house, is what he says. My home, but not my house. He doesn't live there anymore. His parents don't live there anymore. Uh, he, he, he took a, a, a picture of a stranger's house but it's still his home, right? Still his home. I want you to picture your own home, wherever that is, right? Maybe it's your childhood home. Maybe it's the home you're in right now, right? And ask the question, what makes it a home? What makes a home a home? Get that image in your mind. I think a home implies lots of things, actually. It implies growth. 
The home I think of is the, the home I grew up in in South Florida. I got to take my kids there once a number of years ago. They might even forget it, actually. Uh, and when I think about each portion of that house, you know, the various rooms that we were in and, and the yard, and there's just a flood of memories from each of those parts of the house. And in each of them, uh, I'm not the same person. As time ticks on in that home, I, I grow and I change. And if we are to be a home, I, I think it should imply growth. It should be some sense of, of movement, growing together. Home often implies safety. It's your home because you feel safe in it. I really want South Run Baptist Church to be a place where you feel safe. Safe, yes, from, from physical harm, but, but safety, too, from uh, spiritual harm. Safety from emotional harm. Safety from all kinds of harm. Safe to be who you are, fully. When I think of home, I think it implies a sense of encouragement. If you grow up in a, a healthy home, you are encouraged along the way. I think home implies learning about the world that is around us. It's this safe harbor to, to understand the world that surrounds us and, and frankly, sometimes how dangerous that world can be, but also how beautiful and big that world can be. And I think a good home also implies that we're learning about the world that is within us, how dangerous that world can be, but also how beautiful and how big that world can be. Lastly, I think home implies a sense of unconditional love. <clears throat> unconditional love. How to build a home, though? Not just a house. How, how, how do you build a home? I, I think the first thing is that we should all remember, you don't build a home overnight, right? Whatever image was in your mind, that wasn't because you just visited a place once and you thought, yeah, that's now a home. It takes time. Home takes time. It takes energy. It takes intentionality. There's a lot of laughing involved in creating a home. There's a lot of crying involved in creating a home. Let's just be honest, there's a lot of boredom <laughs> involved in creating a home. There's those moments where nothing's happening, but we're together creating a home. There's a lot of unexpected adventures. There's maybe those expected adventures too, but there's the ones when you get the, the phone call in the middle of the night and you realize, and now I'm thinking of our home in Alabama, uh, where, uh, where you realize, oh no, there is uh, a tornado about to hit and we need to do something fast, right? And we need to get to safety because the physical house we were living in, it did not have uh, 
well, it didn't even have a, a, a foundation. That's right. That's what I was looking for. It didn't have a foundation. It was just built on stilts. And that thing would have gone up in a second. Uh, and so we had to find a place to go take shelter, right? We needed that safety. And so this unexpected adventure hits. And it creates a sense of bonding, right? I think building a home requires, at the very least, being together. This is why we're calling this better together. This is better together. It requires a sense of togetherness. Even in the mundane. Even in the ordinary. It requires memory making. Which requires opportunities to make memories together. It requires shared experience. It requires uh, uncovering truth that you didn't know was even there and deconstructing falsehoods that you didn't know were there. What would it mean for South Run Baptist Church to be a family, to be a home, and how do we get there? Well, I don't know. I've given you a roadmap so far, and I feel like we've got some answers there, but I do think we're going to need some time some togetherness, some shared opportunities, some experiences, maybe some crying, hopefully lots of laughter. Unfortunately for some, home requires leaving home before you realize what you had. May this not be true here. We don't want to wait that long. We want to enjoy our home now while we are in it and appreciate what we have now and build upon it now. There's many people who, uh, for one reason or another, uh, leave Springfield and, they, and so they leave this church and they must go away. And I hear many stories about how much they miss this church and the fellowship and the body. I don't hear a lot of stories about how much they miss the preaching, which is okay. I, but I hear lots of stories about how they miss the family. There's an important aside that I haven't said quite yet to this whole metaphor of the family. It, it's a dangerous one for some of you because for some there is often pain connected to being part of a family or to, being, uh, to, to talking about your immediate family. Maybe there's pain connected to the home that you grew up in. Talking about fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters Maybe there is abuse or neglect or dysfunction, toxic family systems, codependency. Maybe there is even complete isolation from your family. And I do understand these concerns with this metaphor. I do. However, I think it's an important metaphor and I think it's one that needs to be redeemed if we are to use it well. I, I think 
that I would want to first say I'm sorry to those of you who struggle with the idea of family. That I'm, I'm sorry that you were not given a home that brings fond memories to your life. And my hope is that this church and this body of believers can redeem for you the idea of what it means to be a family. My hope is that this church would be a family in the absence of family. There are many of you who are military, get moved every few years, and so you're constantly away from your family. And for you, I would want to be a place where this feels like home. Because whether you have a family in this life or not, everyone needs a home. And I mean everyone. And so my hope for this church is that we be a home and a family, especially for those who need it. The second reason or the second thing about the metaphor of the family that I want to hit on here. So first is, is this idea of home and belonging. The second is that the metaphor of family, it implies authenticity authenticity. Family should be a place where people can go and be real with one another, right? They can be open and and honest and and real. And I should warn you, though, I have a love-hate relationship with the word authenticity. If you haven't figured this out by now, I, I, I think it's on to something, and I think it gets abused, <laughs> Authenticity can be an excuse, I believe, for becoming, and it can become a fountain of, of negativity, actually. I, I think uh, we sometimes say, well, I'm just being authentic in this moment. Uh, I'm just, uh, this is how I'm really feeling. And so I just put it out there, and then it just stays, and it just drops like a weight. And to that, I would simply say, uh, just because one feels a certain way doesn't mean one has to feel a certain way, certainly forever, or even for very long. And it's not one that you have to embrace. And an example I might give, and perhaps it's trivial, I hope not, uh, was, was my life yesterday. Just to give you a very brief synopsis of what happened in my life yesterday. I, uh, I, I went to Asher's first uh, basketball game. At age five, he's playing basketball. I don't, they, they don't really know how to dribble yet. It's, it, it's kind of basketball, but it was super cute and it was a lot of fun, actually. And then on the way home from basketball, uh, I had to stop and fill my tires with air. And I don't know if you've tried to do that around here but there are a lot of gas stations that do not have uh, uh, air pressure uh, places to fill your tire up with. And so I think I drove to four or even five different uh, places. Just tr- I wasted a good 45 minutes of my life yesterday doing this. And then I got home and I baked some bread, which was life-giving. I made some food uh, for lunch. Uh, I spent a lot of time with my family. Overall, it was a very good day. 
However, if I had focused on that one part of my day, right, that 45 minutes that I can't get back because I just drove around from one gas station to the next, to the next, to the next, well, I, I would be telling my truth, right? I would be authentic in that it really frustrated me in that moment. But the grand scope of my life yesterday was actually quite life-giving. It was a very good day for me. I was pleased with how it turned out. And so while I could focus on the one thing, it would certainly be more beneficial to me and frankly all of those around me that I focus on the other. Authenticity can be an excuse focusing on the negative but hopefully, hopefully, if we are a church that is indeed authentic with one another, someone will come along and help you see that there is still goodness in your world. That there's still hope in your world. That perhaps most importantly, that you have the ability, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and through the support of friends and family, to shape your own experience of the world so that you learn what it means to, quote, rejoice in the Lord always, as Paul says. And he's saying it from prison. But don't get me wrong. Authenticity actually is really important. It, it's, it's not pretending that everything is just always okay. And it's not pretending that everything's okay when it's certainly not. Because Christians, well, we sometimes can do this. We can sometimes put on the happy face and not be honest about what's going on underneath. And psychologists simply call this repression. We are repressing what's really happening in our lives. And healthy families, well, they don't repress the negative. But they do work through it. They do work through it, and this causes growth. But it can get messy, and it's like the Proverbs say, iron sharpening iron. Some real talk here from your pastor. The past two years of COVID life has been tough. It's been tough on everybody, right? It's been filled with all sorts of opportunity for discouragement. We are all worn down by it. Many of us are tired by it. And many of us are filled with anxiety because of it. Does family and authenticity mean ignoring our anxiety and our discouragement? The answer is no. It doesn't mean ignoring it. We do recognize it. We can talk about it. We can find ways to support one another through it. But does family and authenticity mean wallowing in our discouragement and anxiety? No. No, it does not. We find out how God is moving in the here and the now. In the midst of the frustration, we find the hope that is still present that is always present because God is capable of anything. And we hold together the tension of the mess. The mess that we're in, 
and the goodness and the beauty that still surrounds us even when we can't see it. And then we learn to see with new eyes together. And we don't shy away from recognizing the darkness, but we all walk toward the light. South Around Baptist Church should be a place where we can be real, where we can forget the facade, forget the shiny, happy Christianity that you see, forget faking it, because you don't fake it with your family, but we also do so walking away from the darkness and toward the light step by step together. Number three. I like the metaphor of family, and I think it has a richness to it, and I'm glad the scriptures offer it to us over and over and over again, because and this is going to sound strange, you can't choose your family, can you? You can't choose your family. We live in a uh, hyper-individualistic society, a consumerist society, in which we can choose just about anything we want. Technically speaking, you can choose your church, right? We even sometimes call it, without irony, church shopping. Church shopping where you jump around and you're, you're shopping for the church that you want. I'll tell you, there's something very distorted about this worldview. And it's, it's really simple. It's because once you find that church you've shopped for and satisfies all of your needs, two things are bound to happen. One, you've just created an idol. Right? Because it's all about you. It's not about God. It's, not, it's, a, it's about what you want and what you need. And then two, that church is going to let you down. <laughs> it's just all there is to it. Right? It's going to let you down at some point. And those things you, you, uh, you shopped for, will, you'll, they'll fade. Uh, and then you'll realize, well, maybe it's time to go shopping again. Maybe it's time to try on a new dress. Family, family is for life, right? You don't choose your family. And if family's for life, church family is for eternal life. There are certain bonds that unite us as Christians, across the globe Christians, certain bonds, right? And there are all these other things that divide us and, and that distract us. But I assure you, what binds us together is far stronger than whatever it is that you might think divides us. Whether it's socioeconomic, whether it's racial, whether it is age or gender, politics, Whatever you think it is that divides you with some other believer, I assure you, if you are looking with an eternal horizon, that which binds us as a family of God is far stronger. In a world where we often walk away from the things we commit to, things like marriages, things like friendships, 
things like churches, with maybe a little too much ease, we as a church, we should demonstrate the opposite. We should demonstrate what it looks like to walk together in unity. And when the world asks, how in the world could you be part of that group of people? The answer is quite simple. Because that's my brother and that's my sister. And we are a family together. I'm going to close as I close uh, the last few weeks here by reading our statement uh, about what it means to us to be family. At South Run Baptist Church, being rooted in Christ, we are united as one body with many different parts, each grafted into the vine of Christ as many individual branches. We are one family of diverse and individually gifted people for Christ. We are a multi-generational family serving many, including our own children and youth. We welcome you, whether you are single, married, a single parent, a blended family, parents of none, three or ten. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, Abba Father, the one who looks at us with unconditional love and reaches out to us and draws us back into the family. When we were prodigal, Lord, you came running to us. When we had fled, you sent your son to come get us. God, we thank you. God, we ask that you teach us what it means to be a family together. That through thick and thin, thin, through the tears and through the joy, that we find our way together down this road of transformation. A transformation into the image of Christ as we find our way to that new Jerusalem. We thank you and we praise you for all of your many good gifts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.